It is 21 minutes after the hour here on the Dread Large Radio Show. And we continue now with Manchester Mayor Ted Gatz. It's brought to us by Jacques Flower Shop here in scenic Pennardville. Now is the perfect time to go plant those trees, those shrubs, those perennials. I know you're thinking they're past their season, and you're right. But when they take root in the spring, you'll be glad you did. And uh, by the way, oftentimes at the end of season, it is customary for places that either don't want to store or toss their surplus inventory to be favorable when it comes to uh, customers in their shop. So 712 Mast Road here in scenic Pennardville or on the phone, 625-5155 Jacques Flower Shop. All right, Your Honor. So last week, you uh, were not here at the Dread at Large radio show because you had an engagement with the executive council. Why were you there and what did you accomplish? Well, you know, I was there, Richard, uh, first to talk to the governor about uh, what we could do to get some funding into our safe station program when it comes to housing, because that's what we hear is the number one problem that we have. So to get folks, when they go to Safe Station, they go over to Serenity Place, and then from there, we take them to Helping Hands where they can dry out for two or three days to get them into programs. And we're just looking to get some funding to to see what we can do with Helping Hands uh, to, to take some of that burden off the city. Because when you look at the statistics, that 35% of the people that come into Safe Stations are from Manchester. Right. And the other 65% are from throughout this city and throughout, throughout, the, state. throughout the state and throughout the, country. the whole country. It's like 13, 14 states yeah. now. So, you know, it. and should we be helping them because they're here? Yeah. What are we going to do with them? Tell them, no, you're from Oregon, so we're not going to help you. We're not going to try and save you if you're right. here looking for help. I think that's wrong. I think it's important that we have those conversations. Um, I think that there are some things that we need uh, to change in Concord. Uh, you know, the law that we passed that everybody thought was going to be a helpful uh, law that said, you know, if you walk in and somebody calls you and you walk in as a police officer and there's... And the Good Samaritan law. The they, good, law enforcement can't act if they see criminal activity if someone made a wrong. 911 call because of an overdose. It's it's a wrong law. It's a bad law. Law enforcement will tell you that. Uh, I think that there should be some legislator that goes up there and tries to repeal that. Because, you know, it, when you're hearing from law enforcement that we walk in and we know that one of those guys uh, is a bad person, mm-hmm. they should have the ability to arrest him. Now, I want to come back to this this housing thing, uh, Helping Hands. What is Helping Hands? How much does the city um, fund it? And is it sort of like a planned funding or has it been emergency response funding because they've been overwhelmed by safe station traffic and they've needed dollars from the city to maintain their, their operational uh, uh, abilities. Well, it, it's housing that's right across from the main fire station. Okay. Um, it started with Hope for Recovery, New Hampshire, that went right. in there and started it with uh, Chris Blevins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it, it showed a lot of success. And then uh, the, the city funded some of it. Uh, there were then state funds. Uh, now the yeah. city has come back and done some more funding. So I was looking to make sure that we could get some of that uh, four or five million dollars that was set aside a few years ago uh, from the governor. He and I are going to have a conversation about what we can get back into Manchester uh, this week. The drug court program is working well. We need permanent housing for those folks. Okay. So unless we can get them in a spot, and and the people that are in the drug courts, 
are tested three and four times a week. It's not a program that they're in there for a month and then they're back out on the street. It's almost a year before you can get out of that program. You know, going to look for jobs, making sure that your job's secure, making sure that your housing is secure. But we've got to find a place for them that they can go live with oversight mm-hmm. and they can be, be productive members of our community and, and go to work. There's probably 50 to 60 people in that um, program right now that Judge Brown is running and he's doing a great job. Let me tell you, somebody doesn't go see a counselor and, and they think it's a violation, um, they spend a the night in jail. So it's not an easy place. It's not just a, come on, let's see if we can get you to take a couple of courses and then we'll let you back out. That's not what it's all about. It's pretty tough. Now, um, I forget what the number was, but, you know, the, the city government, I want people to understand this, the taxpayer to understand the city government in Manchester since the start of Safe Station has been called on multiple occasions to come up with emergency funding, let's say. Uh, whether it was for Amber's Place or Serenity Place or Hope for New Hampshire Recovery. Now you're talking about this uh, Helping Hands. Is that what it's called? Uh, how much money have the taxpayers in the city of Manchester put into these these treatment facilities and services, not even counting what's up on uh, uh, Wilson Street, the old CA Hoyt uh, Furniture Building? Well, that if you include that building, so it's not, you know, a lot of that building is, is federal CDBG funding that came in from other properties mm-hmm. um, that we had funded, like uh, the, the building that was refinanced uh, where uh, Margarita's is. Yeah. And also where McQuaid's used to be. Those were Section 108 funds, weren't they? Well, there were a lot of CDBG funds, too, also in those funding. And um, there's about $3.5 million Mm -hmm. that the city has reallocated to this awful, dreadful disease in different ways. So, you know, the city's invested. And so what you're looking for is the state, because really— Two thirds, two thirds of the people who come through the Safe Station program and otherwise go through these, um, uh, the, these organizations that provide treatment, etc., um, and are being funded by Manchester residents. Uh, you're you're just saying to the state, listen, we're happy to do it, but Manchester's taxpayers should not be shouldering the entire burden since two out of every three people who are coming to the city and ending up in these services aren't Manchester taxpayers. You're absolutely are, are right. Manchester residents. So that, that's our conversation that we're going to sit down and have. Uh, he has now taken control of those funds, so he's going to start distributing them himself. Uh, so I feel good about being able to sit down with the governor and talk to him and tell him what our needs are. Gotcha. Now, what about um, um, uh, drawing a blank? <laughs> oh, housing for the... Uh, 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 drug court people. I mean, that that's more than sort of a, a dry out kind of thing like you're talking about with helping hands. What What is the answer there? What kind of money are you looking for from the state and what kind of a housing arrangement are you looking for uh, to, to, to help folks who are trying to get on the state straight and narrow avoid the neighborhoods where it's going to be more difficult for them to do that? Well, that's a great question. You know, we um, there was a building that's right on the corner of Webster and Pine Street. Now I'm getting I'm getting a question here before you finish that answer. Um, isn't that why expanded Medicaid was put into place for addicts? I guess the question is, shouldn't expanded Medicaid be paying Serenity Place and all these other operations that the city's funding? Well, you, once they're in the programs, it does. You know, there's right. no question, but it doesn't it doesn't help them with housing. So right. when you get these folks in those kind of uh, Serenity Place and they're in a program, 
there's no money for housing. You know, it, we're back to the same question. The person comes out and says, I'm a felon. How many businesses are going to give them an opportunity to go back to work? Right. And okay. without the money from work, it's difficult to pay for housing. So, so you were saying there was a place on Pine and... Pine and Webster Street that yeah. was looked at a long time ago. Is that the old uh, uh, Easter Seals building? Yes. That's got the capacity to take somewhere around 40 people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a secure facility where people have to come in by 8 o'clock at night. Um it's something that people have looked at, and it's not like you've got addicts that are in there. You've got people that are Recovering. on a straight and narrow road with what they've got to go through. There are bunk beds. There are bathrooms. Uh, there are common areas. There are small kitchens. So it, it certainly is sufficient to take care of between 30 and 50 people. So do you want the state to, to buy that and turn it into a no, facility No, as a matter of fact, I'm talking, I'm talking to the people that own it to see if they'll donate it to the city. So the city would own it. How would that work? Well, we would own it and we would certainly lease it out to somebody to, to go in and do the you know Serenity Place or somebody. Uh, so it makes sense for everybody uh, that's in recovery. All right. We have uh, John and Hooks it on the, on the line with a call for you. Good morning, Rich. Good morning, Mayor Gatsas. Good morning. Um, I have two questions for you. Um, this is John Lutzgar from Hooksit. The question I have is, uh, in the city of Manchester, part-time employees, do they receive health care benefits? And the second is, uh, the second for you, Mayor Gatsas, will you take a pledge if a vote comes up again uh, for health care benefits for board of school committee members, uh, will you pledge to vote against it? I think I've done that uh, pretty consistently, John. Yes. Yes, and, and I just want to remind um, the friends in Hooksit that have many friends in Manchester that uh, our Hooksit tax dollars are going towards paying those benefits for Board of School Committee members who continue to vote for it. So I appreciate your vote and as, as well as uh, Mr. Gerard's vote on that subject, and hopefully uh, we can get you a dream team on that board to to support uh, Superintendent Vargas. Well, thank you very much. John, I appreciate the call. 606-6762. If you would like to offer the mayor a question or a comment, that's 606-6762. Uh, Your Honor, let's, let's take the opportunity of that call to sort of pivot. Uh, Dr. Vargas seems to have made uh, significant inroads in reducing class sizes, especially at the elementary school level. Uh, are, are you satisfied with the progress made, and what uh, what other things do you see need to be done in the schools, say, over the next uh, 6 to 12 months? Well, you know, there's no question, Richard, that uh, there's been some changes and effective ones. There's, you know, language courses at the middle schools, health teachers at the middle schools, smaller classes, uh, are there ways that we can find things to do better than what we're doing? Yeah. We still have not engaged ourselves in distance learning in any capacity. Right. At the high school level. Yep. That's where I think, you know, we're missing the boat. You know, we've got students that are going to be off to college uh, in a year, and they're going to be in classes that have three or 400 people, and they're going to see a professor on a screen. Yep. Um, you know, I'm not saying we should teach three or 400 people that way. But I think that if you have five or six in each school that want to take a advanced course, that, you know, the biggest problem that I hear is the scheduling. Right. Every high school has a different schedule. Yep. Now, if you had the same schedule in all three high schools, four high schools, yep. people would be able to do that. If you said the AP 
whatever class is in the first uh, class of the day, then kids could take that class and you could have one teacher teaching it. Yeah, I know I know. Dr. Bar- Vargas has spoken to the board about the need, if we want to do distance learning, to actually create a master schedule that governs all three high schools. And so uh, isn't he pulling together a work group to he do is, that? He's doing that. Uh, hopefully he can get that out uh, uh, in sometime in November so that we can be ready yeah. for next year. I think that the other thing is redistricting. Yep. Not realignment, because that doesn't do anything. Redistricting so we understand where the students are. Now, Dr. Vargas is uh, approaching his anniversary with the district. Um, what's your What's your assessment of his time here? I think he's working hard. There's no question. I think that if uh, we could get everybody in the boat rowing in the same direction, uh, we would be doing much better. But, you know, he's had a tough time. And, um, you know, he's he's got to put out fires on a regular basis. But if we can get them on the same page, uh, we'll do fine. I know we just hired somebody to come in and see if they can't get more of our federal dollars back into the city when it comes to special education. Yep, Medicaid. Yep. I think that's important. Um, there's certainly other issues that I know he's addressing on a regular basis. But, you know, he came in and he made a pledge he was going to reduce class sizes. And, you know, he's done that. One of the things that he's also done, too, and I'm interested on your take since we were talking a little bit earlier in uh, this interview about testing, uh, is, he, is he came forward with a, a complete overhaul of how the district is assessing its students in grades K through 8. Um, what are your thoughts on those changes, and why do you think, if you do, that they'll be beneficial to uh, education in the city? Well, I, you know, I think that, that, that certainly that, uh, you know, he's the educator. You know, we as a board aren't dealing with it on a day-to-day basis, talking to teachers and principals uh, for their opinions. But I can tell you that uh, people aren't afraid to give me a call because they know that uh, I will have conversation with them and certainly not reveal my sources if I ask questions. Right. And I think that that's what's important. I, you know, I look at it and say, how do we get our kids ready for what's out there in the workforce? The School of Technology gets you work ready on graduation day. That's an incredible thing. The only high school in the state that does that. You know, that's something that we should be very, very proud of. We should be very proud of the STEAM Ahead program at West. You know, I was talking to a young lady just the other day uh, that was asking me questions about, you know, she was thinking of going to college. And I said, well, your best bet is why don't you transfer to West and, and take some of those courses that are dual credits and they, there's scholarship money there to pay for them. And you can go out and, you know, reduce the cost of your education in college by quite a bit if you were in that program. Mm-hmm. And she said, I didn't know about it. And she said, I'll look into it. So those are things that we've got to make the students aware of that says, you know, if you're at Central and you want to go to West and you know that that's the place you want to be because you can get dual credits and you want to be in the STEAM Ahead program – that's great. That's wonderful. So you want to further develop the magnet concepts, whether they're STEAM or the, uh, the School of Technology, uh, to uh, better target kids' education. Rich, not everybody's going to college. No. The majority of the students are not. Yep. That's very Let's true. get them ready for the workforce. Let's get them ready so that they understand how to balance a checkbook, what you need to do in an interview, things that are going to be actually a lot of help to them in their future. You know, we can sit there and say, yeah, you got to take this course, you got to take that course, you got to. If, if that's not something that they can look at on a daily basis on how they advance their lives, why are we forcing them with that? 
I'm getting a question from an audience member. Are addicts with a felony eligible for state assistance? Are addicts with a felony? Again, that, that I can't tell you, but I know that at the city level, uh, anybody that came in with a felony, we take it off their application so that they, if there's a job available to them, they can get a job. Right. You're not you're not giving them a leg up on no. other, but you're you're just making sure they don't have that. They can ask the question, but they don't have to put it down on the application. Right. But they have to come, and it's only for participants in drug court, and they have to come with a letter from the court. Correct. Right. All right. Your Honor, uh, closing closing thoughts. A lot of great things happening this weekend. You know, we've got the Art Across the Bridge on yeah. Saturday. Yeah. We've got the Alzheimer's Walk. Uh, there's also the the gala that's uh, for Chad. Uh, that's coming up on Saturday night. So there's a lot of great things that are happening in the city, and we will continue to talk about them. And uh, I want to thank the people that were out there that came out to the polls and supported me. And for the ones that didn't, we'll see if we can't get you there in November and tell you why you should vote for Ted Gatzis. All right. We're going to take a final check for traffic, weather, and sports. When we come back, we'll have a preview of tomorrow's busy show. We're not done yet. Stay with us. The wrap begins now. Tomorrow, busy, busy show tomorrow. Uh, we will hear from Emily Sandblade of the Goffstown Zoning Board of Adjustment in the 6 o'clock hour. Our mischievous things afoot with the big downtown development that uh, uh, is on its God knows how many times uh, trip through the uh, Zoning Board of Adjustment. We'll have all the dirt and details. Rhonda Kenny and Bianca Bodwin will be in from the way home. They have a big event coming, I believe it's this weekend. Sports will be in our own backyard with Coach Jimmy Lozon. Is our children learning with Felix Alvarado and oh, so much more for the entire team here at Trial at Large. I am your ever humble host, Rich Gerard. Thanks for tuning in. Until tomorrow, be good, be well. Don't do anything we wouldn't do. We're proud to have in the audience. Thanks for being there. Please remember our sponsors. Give them the first opportunity to earn your business and let them know you heard about it on Trial at Large. It matters. Be good, everyone.